He's a former Bass Nation national champion. He has qualified for 12 Bassmaster Classics. He's a six-time Bassmaster winner, a two-time Angler of the Year, the reigning and defending Bassmaster Angler of the Year from Rathrum, Idaho. The prodigy, Brandon Polnick, joins me this week on... Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Happy hump day, happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. And uh, I welcome you into our, our little show. Little show that just happens to be the number one rated podcast on this particular channel. So thank you all for making this podcast what it is. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, it probably would get a lot more ratings if we put fishing in the name, but we didn't. We called it after my last name. And um, for those of you who don't know, I didn't even like that. I mean, I don't mind my last name. My parents gave it to me. Their parents gave it to them. But the whole reason that this show is called Mercer is because when we had to put this podcast together, we were kind of under a shortness of time because um, we stopped doing one podcast and this was starting the next Wednesday. So we threw around a lot of names, but we had a logo for one particular name because at one point I was actually working with WFN on doing a talk show called Mercer that they came up with the name. We had the logo and thus the reason this is called Mercer. I voted against it, but got outvoted. Um, but the cool thing is, I would say that this podcast, in many ways, is different than your average fishing podcast. Because one of the best compliments that we get, and all I can promise you here, is it's going to be real, it's going to be honest, and oftentimes it is awkward. Um, but all I can promise you here is real conversations with real friends. And um, my ultimate goal from the beginning was to show or the real side of the anglers, the real side of these amazing folks that I get to call friends and work with. And one of the best compliments that we get week in, week out is somebody will say somewhere in the comments, hey man, I didn't know that side of this angler or I had never seen them talk about this and I'm now a fan of them. And that doesn't um, happen just because you say, oh, I want my podcast to be a little different or whatever. That happens because of the anglers. Because anglers are willing to open up and be as open and honest. And I can't thank Swindle enough for last week's podcast. It was incredible. Um, and I can't thank you guys enough for caring to hear these stories. To hear the people that are behind the moments that we watch on TV, that we watch online, that we watch in person. Um, they're amazing people that have overcome so, so much. And um, it wasn't a mistake that I started with Swindle and that we're going to have Paul Nick this week. I wanted to kick off the year with two incredibly positive guests. Because the world has, I don't know if you've noticed, tuned into the news or whatever, but the world is full of freaking negative stuff. And negative stuff seems to get all of the traffic. So I thank all of you guys for enjoying this podcast. 
and enjoying the positivity and making this thing a real thing. So thank you. So without that, rather than talking about the positivity, let me bring in one of the most positively positive people I know. Brandon Pollock, the reigning and defending progressive Bassmaster Angler of the Year. What's up? Not much. I'm chilling in cold, snowy Idaho. Just getting ready for the season to kick off, leave. How was, before we even get into leaving, how was your first Christmas as a dad? Uh, it was awesome. It was your first Christmas as a dad, right? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's first first Christmas I've spent with a, a child that was mine. Yes. Uh, and it's as far as I'm aware, it's the only child that I do have. Um, and I'm pretty certain of that. And it was awesome. She's not old enough to really understand what Christmas is. And knowing that we didn't get her anything exciting. It was like, oh, you got feeding spoons and containers to freeze your food in for the camper. And, you know, real exciting stuff. Because all she wanted to do was play with the wrapping paper in the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you see, once again, you prove that you're wise. I mean, my kids couldn't know, and I get buying them drum sets and all sorts of crap just to mo- bother their mother. I mean, you're, you're wise. Well, we're, you know, we're just not quite there yet. She can't play the drums. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, hitting the road. What do you feel like an anxiety now? Like, you know, it's almost time to hit the road. Like, do you excitement or anxiety? Uh, How would you explain that? It's a mixture of both. I, I feel like the 22 season just ended two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I can't believe that it, it doesn't feel like we should be starting already. Um, and every year during the off season, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have all my deals done by October and I'm going to be able to just relax November, December, the holidays, just chill out in 13 years that has not happened yet. It seems like every single time it's like, oh boy, Wraps getting done next week. Better hurry up and finish the artwork on the wrap and like get this dialed in because we got some stuff that needs to happen really soon. And it's like everything happens last minute, right? You're like signing contracts at the last minute. So then logos are changing. And uh, and somehow, I guess because people go through the new year and then like budgets get approved and things like that happen. And then like new deals will pop up. And and then you're like scramble mode trying to change things if it's a deal that you want to take and it uh yeah it's it's a lot of work it's really busy uh I feel like I've because I know that's happening I've gotten better at kind of managing and spreading out and doing the things ahead of time that I can you know I've already started organizing all my tackle and things like that because when we leave we're going to be gone for six months wow uh, without coming home so you got to, right. I need, I have to look at the schedule say, what tackle am I going to need for the first six months? Uh, and then, and then we have to pack our camper, like pack as much elk meat in there as we can, and then make sure we have everything for Cora. Do you, are you, have you just accepted that that's just how the industry is? Because I mean, I, I deal with that every year, but I'm like next year, it's going to be so much better. We're going to be earlier and it, is the industry yeah, just always going to be it. that way? 
I think so. I think so. I haven't accepted it yet. I, the only way that I could change that is if I got all of my contracts to like multi-year deals, right? Say they're all three-year deals and you sign them all on the same year. But that's never going to happen. I just, I'm just not willing to accept it yet because that sounds really, really nice. It, it's, it's a weird thing about the industry, but, but if you can't get your deals done, I mean, reigning and defending angler of the year, a title you've won now twice. I feel bad for the rookies. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's well, yes and no, because I remember when I was a rookie and you're just way less busy, you know, you're, you're sending stuff out and trying to get deals done. But people respond a lot quicker with a no, we can't give you any money versus like, okay, let's figure out if we could give a guy any money, if that makes sense. Or they're like, yeah, hey, we'll, we'll give you 50% off. Or yeah, we'll, we'll send you some product. Uh, because those, those deals don't require it to go through a chain of people oftentimes. Um, and so the more expensive you get, the more people get involved in making those decisions. Um, and so I, I think like when you're a rookie, one, you don't really know how to approach it. Granted, the rookies that are coming in now aren't really rookies because a lot of them have, you know, lasting relationships with sponsors and stuff. Uh, you know, kids like Coop. I mean, Cooper Gallant is like, very polished to be considered a rookie and he's super young uh but like he's been on the x-zone team with me and and he's going to continue that deal and so uh i think there's there's certain guys that are way more polished than others that are probably in the same aspect but the biggest thing as a rookie is you're just looking at it going how am i going to pay for all this my first year coming in well, I, I would say you're part of the problem there, though, too. Like, I mean, you shot onto the scene as a rookie. And I mean, when people look at put together pros, like as far as like, wow, social media, you know, all the different stuff that you do, you were always that guy. And I feel like a lot of those rookies coming now look at what you've done. And and basically, you've set the blueprint. Do you not feel that way at all? You feel like you're you, you're not guilty at all to that? Mm, maybe, but I think a lot of that, that was a, a timing thing, because when I came in, that was really at the beginning and the explosion of social media. Yeah, and being a younger guy coming in on tour, I had already grasped some of that, right? And I wasn't coming in to the elites uh, with a preconceived notion of like how the fishing industry marketed previously. Yeah. You know, I looked at it as like, Hey, here's an opportunity that I can, I can market to people and reach people that I otherwise wouldn't be able to reach. And now it's just commonplace. And then all, and so all the rookies, all the younger guys that are coming up now, uh, you know, they've had time to build that they understand that they've just grown up with a lot of that technology. And so it's, it's not something new in the repertoire. It's just commonplace. 
but when I was a rookie, I still didn't have any paying deals. Uh, <laughs> I, I had came up with the idea to get money from every Bass Nation state chapter that was willing to help out. You know, some of them gave a couple hundred bucks. Some of them gave a thousand bucks because I was the first guy to come from the nation directly into the elites. You know, now they have the nation's best and those guys get some help that first year, which is how it should be. Uh, And, and I just, I remember the, after the classic and I was with uh, Berkeley at that time and they called up and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to send you a check because we know you're sleeping in your truck. We appreciate everything you did. You did great. And we're just going to help you out. Wow. That was awesome. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't a contract, uh, but they saw that it was valuable for them and, and did that. So I'll, I'll always be forever grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, that deal there probably meant more to you than some, not everything you were except happy for every deal, but in the way that like at that time, it was like a few thousand bucks. Like it, it, it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like they sent me 20 or 30 grand. It was like a couple grand. Yeah. But at that time, that was huge. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny. Cause before, we jumped on and talked for an hour before we actually recorded the podcast, but before <laughs> that, um, and didn't talk about anything we're going to talk about in the podcast. Like this podcast would be a lot yeah. better if we were like, let's dig into this, but we didn't. Um, we just talked about whatever. Um, but before that I was, I, I went back and did some research on you. And it was one of the things that jumped out at me was it was an article about you like in year one. And it was yeah. like, they said about how you'd done it, the classic and you're the Bass Nation champion. And then at some point it said, and he has a shiny new website. And I'm like, people don't even mention their website now. Like, (laughs) like the website was a feature, you know, like he comes with a website. It's just funny to see now. (laughs) That was outside the box. Yeah. And now websites have gone from being something you have to really, they're just a landing page that sends you to different areas in social media. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a central hub for people to go to rather than like listing everything out. It's like, go to my website. There's links to everything else you want to actually see. <laughs> the the only thing my website's good for is for people to go on there and be able to buy clothes. And outside of that, like you said, it's just a central hub to send people elsewhere. Well, before I want to talk to you about social media and how then the pressures that puts on you. But before we even get into that, I want to talk to you about your past because I don't know if you know this, but I hear this regularly and, and it's, it's not true, but it's just one of those things that floats around about you. Oh boy. And I'll hear all the time, you know, from people and and they don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. They'll say, you know, you know why Brandon Polnick made it. Kid comes from all sorts of money. You know, that, that's, 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 that's why he made it. And that's what everybody tells me. Yeah. But you once lived in a trailer and had an outdoor toilet, Brandon. Yeah, Why those do are people think you came occasions. from money? Those are actually two different occasions. We first lived in an Airstream trailer parked on my mom's friend's property. And then we moved into, uh, I guess you would call it a cabin. 
it's like a cabin slash shack, whatever the definition of that is. Uh, but it was it was one room, and then it had one wall. And my sister and I shared a room, and my mom's room was just out in this great room. Like people have vaulted ceilings and like open floor plans. I mean, that's what it was. But it was like my mom's bedroom was in this corner, the kitchen was in this corner fireplace over here and the living room was in this corner and we we had an outhouse and so you'd walk outside to go to the bathroom walk back inside and that's just I mean that was just part of me growing up and just through time like progressively my family's just done better and better so it's not like we just started out with a bunch of money <laughs> Well, th that's what people. So, what do you think when you hear, you know, that I mean, it's said on every chat board, whatever, that yeah. kids, people are being priced out of the sport. What what goes through your mind when you hear that? It's just purely an excuse for laziness, is my thing. Uh, because it's way easier for someone to look at someone that's being successful and just say, oh, they're making it just because they have money. Now, does having money make things easier? Yes. Does it make it better? Not necessarily. Uh, because when push comes to shove, I would way rather take a kid that has like fought and battled for everything he has because in the long run, when things get tough, you know, when things aren't going right on the water, he's going to have the mindset to push through those times. Uh, and if he has the talent, right, he's probably already put in the work to get to that point uh, where, where I think you're going to be better off. Now, if you have money and your parents like made you work for it, made you earn it and like you put in the work then of course it's going to be like you're going to have an advantage but that doesn't mean you can make it like, that's like saying if you had forward-facing sonar you just make the elites well that that's what people think on your, you just drop it on your boat and then you just make the elite series that's so far from the truth um and so i don't coming for money or not that's not that doesn't determine whether or not you're able to qualify. That'd be like saying that you can only qualify for the elite series if you're 5'9 and you weigh 155 pounds. Yeah. It's not the case. We're all, no. all shapes and sizes. Definitely. <laughs> it, uh, But I think it's something that's just thrown out there now where everyone just yeah. – and I, I – I get it. There is an exp everything on earth is expensive right now. Like the, from cheeseburgers eggs to basketball. Yeah. Every 48% higher than they were. And I yeah. eat a lot of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the sport of bass fishing has always been pricing people out. Like if you're really going to be like, let's be honest long, when you first got in the sport, there was no such thing as forward facing sonar. Um, but you, it yeah. didn't look any more achievable to you growing up, did it? Did it? Like, I mean, it, it's there was hardly yes, prices yeah, there people was hardly out of the sport. 
side imaging, down imaging. There's hardly any of that. Um, like they're just, for me, it's all on your outlook. And if you are telling yourself that you can't compete because you don't have a material thing, that's on you, not on the other people, right? Because you are limiting yourself based on those expectations rather than saying, this is where I want to go. I want to make it here, whatever level that is. And if that's truly what you want to do, then you do whatever you possibly can to make it there. Whether you have the technology, don't have the technology, um, you know, you just have to think and get creative with what you have, uh, you know, and, and so when it comes down to adversity of some sort, you're going to look at a situation and be mentally tough and say, hey, this is like, this is what I have to work with. How do I get out of this situation? And it, it's exactly the same on the water. So what I had to do with Mississippi River is like, okay, you have zero bass at 1130. What, what are your decisions, right? You, you have these spots here in this area. You can stay here. You can switch up your techniques. You can figure it out. You can run somewhere else, try to find a new group of fish or, or you just lock down and you, just, you constantly have to analyze that. And that it's just crazy to think how connected that is through like your on the water decisions and all the decisions you make through the rest of your life. I mean, one big thing I've always shortcuts are short lived, you know, like yeah, there's people that you're right. If, if you have, there's people that have won a tournament on a forward facing sonar and they might not have won in the past. So people that say that yeah. are correct, but it's short lived. It's not long-term. I mean, it, no. it, it, if that's what you're relying on, it just doesn't seem to last. So going into this season, I'm going to say it all year long. He is reigning and defending. Do you look at it like you're going into a season to defend something? Because in other sports, people would. But in fishing, you don't ever hear uh, anyone talk about that. No, I don't think so. To me, I look at it and I'm like, and I just say, we're all back at square one we're all at zero or, or we're all leading AOI. And, and then I look at it and say, I don't have to, I can't win AOI in the first event. I just have to, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to play it safe uh, because you're not going to win playing it safe either, but it means that I'm going to stick to the same things that got me to where I'm at. I'm going to catch as much weight as I possibly can every single day. And whether or not that equals a win or not, if I can do that, then I should continually be able to set myself up. What have you done in the off season to set yourself up for said situation? Anything different or do you, after an angler of the year, mm -hmm. year, do you just roll in and be like, I'll do it again. Same again, bartender. <laughs> Please take two. Take three, please. Uh, I wouldn't say I've really done anything different. I, every one of my off seasons is kind of unique in its own way because it just depends on 
how many other things I have going on right? um, based on schedule and trips and um, sponsorship deals. Uh, this year is obviously different because I had a newborn. And so spent a lot of time with her. Uh, you know, my, my boat wasn't rigged as early as I had it the last two years. So I didn't fish as much early on uh, in the fall as I would have. Uh, I spent more time hunting. Uh, I'd say probably the biggest difference this year versus like the last, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years is I spent a lot more time working out this off season than I did previously. What kind of working out? Uh, it's called Mountain Tough Fitness. They're all ex, they're all ex military guys, and they're also all like mountain backcountry hunters, and that's two things that I love. Um, and they so they create these workouts a lot of times based around building fitness for mountain hunting, backcountry hunting, and I wanted to be able to do something and be disciplined and consistent and not and take as many excuses out of it as possible. So I knew a gym workout wasn't feasible because it just travel way too much and access to a gym is just not always available. So I started doing their body weight program and I wanted to see how disciplined I could be in the off season to try to create a habit early enough before the season started to be able to continue to do that throughout the season. So it's all just body weight workouts. And I did it during the redfish tournament, um, did it while we were in Mexico for a week. Uh, yeah, it's been awesome. So you're, you're, you're in better shape going into this season than you were last year. Probably better shape than I've been in like the last six or seven years. I bet. Is that for a reason other than your health or like, has there been moments in competition where you're like, I need to get in better shape. It, it's a, a mixture of things. Uh, I, I think like the first few years, like I was just in such good shape when I was younger from all of my wrestling days that I was able to maintain that for quite a while in fishing. And then like as I get older, not old, but 35. So I'm getting older and I've spent a lot of time on the water, like beating my body up out there. Right? I mean, think of how many repetitive uh, motions we make casting. It's like a major league baseball pitcher pitching for eight hours. Yeah. And, and I could tell last year that even though I won AOI, I felt like I could be better. And, and I didn't, I didn't like that feeling, um, you know, like Lake Fork, Pickwick, where I was just burning a crankbait, ripping a big spoon, throwing a big swim bait. I could feel it in my elbows and shoulders. Like nobody knew watching live, but there were times where my shoulder and my elbows were just numb because I'm just burning a crankbait the whole time. And that constant motion in your elbow and your shoulder the muscles would get so tight that like it would put pressure on the nerves and, and it would almost numb my hands. Like they would get tingly and I did not 
I just didn't like it. And so I was like, okay, one, I got to do something about that. And then two, having our daughter kind of put things in perspective. I'm like, if I can work out now and be healthier now, if that adds another year or two or three years to my life at the end of my life, those are going to be really valuable years later on down the road, right? Because when I start getting old and decrepit, I'm going to, all I'm going to be asking for is like one more day, right? One more day. And sometimes I think that far ahead and I'm like, I just need to be better. Do, do you realize that that's a weird way for somebody your age to think? Like, you, <laughs> Not you really, know, I, because I just, I don't, I guess. It's just because, you know, you 35-year-olds, I mean, there's a lot of 35-year-olds that are like, who cares? Let just live life. And, and But for you to think that far ahead, have you always felt that you're that kind of person? Like when you were in school, uh, do you think outside no. of the box then too? Not to the level that I do now. I mean, I, I think my mom raised us to always kind of be like dreamers and chase whatever you want. But I think as I've gotten older, I just understand the circle of life a lot more. And like the more I, I read, the more educated I get, uh, the like the more I realize that. But the day you are born, you are dying, right? I, I mean, that's the truth. Like you were, we don't know how long that's gonna be, um, but from the day you are born, you are on a ticking time clock. And how you look at that can either be really limiting and stressful, right? Like that can create a lot of anxiety, or you can say, hey, tomorrow's not guaranteed. I know at some point I'm going to die. So why don't I just do everything possible today so that I can be as good as I can be, right? Like tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yesterday's in the past. Like how do I do the best today? And uh, I think you and Swindle had kind of touched on that a little bit, right? Of like being just a little bit better. You talked about that at the end of it. And, and I actually... I've always believed in that. I've always said, like, just be 1% better. And I was like, well, 1%. I was like, so what? You're going to be 365% better at the end of the year than you were last year? That doesn't, that's not really feasible. Mm -hmm. You know, 1% better than yesterday sounds feasible. But when you look at it over the course of a year, really 365% better, probably not going to happen. So then I did the math. And if you can just be 0.0027% better than you were yesterday, then you'll be 100% better than you were the year before. <laughs> I love that you worked it out. And I'm just working it. I talked about that on the Swindle podcast at the beginning. Yeah. And it's not even until you say it that I'm like, that came from you. Like the whole, like when yeah. I said my New Year's resolution this year is just to be better every day but and it doesn't you know it doesn't mean you, you want a better time at something it doesn't it just yeah at the end of the day you know we all know like when you lay your head in the pillow i want to be able to be like man today's dave was a lot better than yesterday's dave <laughs> um 
and yeah. and every day it doesn't have to be a ton but it's just it's weird the way you freaking teach me stuff i'm supposed to be teaching you <laughs> we have I, a weird I relationship just think that that's where you know, i just like the world would be a better place if everyone had that perspective right so do you think it means I'm very immature or you're very mature? No, I think are we, we are, we're, we're a good balance. <laughs> what do you do to prepare for the season outside of the physical? Like the, the moment that the schedule gets announced, that's when you guys have a target. Is there mm -hmm. things you do to prepare mentally or what do you, what do you, do, what's your preparation going into the season outside of the physical stuff? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think how to say this. I don't prep. I don't prep for individual events because I don't, I don't want to create preconceived notions. So that doesn't mean that I don't do my research. Um, because once the schedule is announced, like if I have a really long drive or something, I'll just kick old Bassmaster shows on or Bass Live or something like while I'm driving and I'll just listen to that stuff, right? I'll just put the phone down, let it play over. And I, and I just listen and try to get an overall view of like how a body of water fishes, whether we've been there or not. Uh, and just kind of understand little nuances, right? And pick up those little pieces because while you're driving, it's just kind of dead noise. And so a lot of times I'll pick up on little things that guys say that I might have just overlooked if I was watching the show or something when it happened. And, and so I'll, I'll do that kind of research and prep and stuff, but I don't, like, I don't look at the schedule and say, okay, I, I need to have this stuff or this event because this is what I'm going to be doing. And I look at it and say, well, it, it could be this, so I better bring this. It could be this, depending on the conditions. Um, but I, I really just, I try to get in a mindset of, of that, like just catch as much weight as you can every day. And it, it seems so simple to say, but it really is a mindset that you can tell the difference when you tap into it and you, you just fish way more free. And so for me, it's trying to get to that point where last year was last year and it was awesome, but it's over. Like, and I, I've gotten better at it and it's not because I don't appreciate what it means to win. Uh, but I, I know that that win is only like it only happened that week or it only happened that year and so I, I can't live the rest of my career based off of just winning two aois yeah i mean you yeah. can't change you can't change the future focus on the past yeah so if, if i'm just trying to like base all my sponsorships and base my success of my career off of what I've done in the past, I'm not growing at all. And so I look at it and like, okay, we're back at square one. So like, and this year is going to be completely different. We don't know what to expect. Go into it with an open mind and, and just make it happen.
is growth just is growth just um decided by success or or can i mean can you go into this season obviously you're backing up an angler of the year year you can't expect to win that every year but i know you want to but let's say you, you is it possible that you finish 20th in angler of the year and you feel like you still grew this year mm, yeah there can be growth because growth is individual and i think growth is um i guess on a scale of your expectations so i could grow in other areas obviously mm -hmm. winning aoi and then finishing 20th in points from a success standpoint on the water is not going to be growth but that doesn't that there could be a lot of factors that cause that yeah um and and just because there may be like failures within that doesn't mean that that doesn't set you up to be better that you know two years from now you might you may struggle in 23 and you come back in 24 better than you were in 22 um because i you're never like your growth isn't ever gonna just be this like straight perfect angle it's gonna be it's gonna be this wave and this roller coaster and as long as you draw a straight line through that and it's an upward angle then you're good and you're like for me i, I don't measure my growth just on what the stats say when i'm done at the end of the year uh, or what it or even break it down in what like what it says that week uh, for me growth is like did i learn something and like am i better at something or understand something better than i did before now i would not be happy with a 20th place finish in aoi um so I guess let's see how to break that down. Going off on a tangent, I I would say that um, your gosh, I just had it. Your success doesn't determine your growth, I guess. But you wouldn't be happy with the twentieth place. So what? Why? No, it's a vicious no, circle. It, well, it is, but it is it depends on if you're just satisfied or not and if you're someone who's i wouldn't say never satisfied but has a constant goal to be to be better and to have that growth then then part of you is not satisfied if that makes sense yeah so like, like my marriage, I am perfectly satisfied with my wife, more than satisfied. But that doesn't mean that there can't be growth within that relationship, right? Like that's who I want to spend the rest of my life with. But that doesn't mean that you're just satisfied and you just stay status quo. But like we can always continually try to build and like be better together. Like yeah. do better at raising our child and stuff. So 
So like being satisfied isn't bad, but not if you become like complacent and just kind of not in the moment. I think that's one of the weird things and probably why a lot of marriages fail, to be honest, yeah. because people weird enough, like in their career, they're like, yeah, I got to keep growing and I got to. And in relationships, people are like, I met this perfect person and we're going to spend the rest of our life together. And if you, I mean, you have to work on every part of your life. I mean, it, it's yeah. the second you stop working, it starts slipping away from you, whether it's, whether it's achievements at work, whether it's, you know, it doesn't really, you yeah. literally can insert it into anything. The second that you think that I've, I've got that. I've like life is freaking temporary. Everything, even the house you live in, you know, realistically, not too yeah. long from now. You know what I mean? Like 50, 60 years from now, you probably won't even be allowed on your lawn because <laughs> somebody else will own it and they won't care when yeah. you come back and say, but, but the year I won Angler of the Year for the second time I came back here, I don't care. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I say you can. I mean, that just kind of goes full circle, right? That's why you can have growth, even if it's not on our fishing scoreboard. There, there can still be a level of growth in your life and you have to be thankful for that and keep that in perspective. And that if, if you don't succeed in this column, it doesn't mean that the rest of your life is just garbage. But it just may mean that you have to recalibrate that column and figure out how to get it back up to par. Agreed. Agreed. Can you, can, do you learn more from a loss or from a victory? The cliche zone is that you learn more from a loss, right? Than a win. Uh, but I don't, I don't always believe that that's true. I think what happens is that when you lose, you automatically analyze why you lost. Yeah. Versus when you win, you're like, that was awesome. I did everything right. But very rarely is that the case. Like, that's what I say. Just because I won AOI last year doesn't mean that I performed to the best of my abilities every single day or every single hour during that, the course of that season. So there's still room for improvement, right? That if you just take all that out and you just look at one, two, three, four, five, yeah, there's no room for improvement because you can't go above one. But personally, there's a lot of room for improvement within that. I think that's, I, I, I think- Until, until right. you win AOI with 900 points, th then you just- can't really, you don't really get any better than that. Well, I know you pretty good. And I'm certain that even if you did that, you'd be like, yeah, but you know, I lost a big fish here and I could have. Yeah, but you it, don't. Yeah, very much so. And it, but it's in a way of, it comes from a place of positivity, I guess, versus yeah. negativity. And like, and that's a, a big difference is like and i guess i would say it comes from comparing yourself to yourself not to others yeah is is what causes that right like i'm 
my success isn't based on um, uh, like a, a scale of what everyone else is doing. And that's, that's how everyone's growth should be, right? Your growth shouldn't be based on someone else's scale. Be based on your own scale. Yeah. Wow. That makes, makes a lot of sense. Do you, uh, do you meditate, visualize any of that sort of stuff? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not, really? I wouldn't say super consistently, but that, that comes from my wrestling days, right? Like I, I mean, from the time I was, 10 years old I was I was taught that before your match you visualize yourself winning and so I would I would spend I would find time and the older I got the better I got at it you know so I don't think I was like a 10 year old doing this because I was not that polished at all not even close uh, but over the course of 25 years of understanding it I've gotten better at it and I would I would find a a quiet place right and then i would i would close my eyes and i would run through a lot of that and oftentimes i had music playing when i was doing that like music is a a, a big part of that for me um, and i just i understand that that helps me block out the noise and focus and 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 then i would spend time right like on the edge of the mat like just i was bouncing around like keeping your feet light and and i always had music in and i was always visualizing right like blocking everything out and focusing on that and i still do that in in fishing um where oftentimes like i like to drive to the ramp a little bit if i can and if if we're camped at the you know campground that's right at the ramp or something a lot of times i'll try to find a moment where i can get away put my headphones in and and if it was up to me, I would do it right up to blast off. And then I would just go fish. But we can't do that because you need to be there to, you know, get the meat, do the media stuff, talk and all of that. And so I have to find that time before and prep and, and like, no, hey, when you launch your boat, like this media stuff, like that's all part of that focus. Like you're, that's part of your job. You're doing that and you're going on the water. So meditation for you is, is much different than like what somebody would, you know, think of somebody sitting cross-legged in a room yeah. all by themselves with no noise for you. No, it's not like meditating, like a monk or something. It's for me, it's uh, like a, a practice to block out the noise and focus on the task at hand of like what, what needs to be done. Um, and, and it changes like over the course of a four-day event i may listen to four different genres of music depending on how i feel when i wake up that morning so what, what do you do right before blast off i've never asked you this like when, there's a time and i try to keep it as much as like i mean i weird anglers don't even know but i do try to defend like i don't want to talk to anybody after the national anthem you know what i mean yeah. like i i try to get and it's, sometimes we have to because the doc was busy and I didn't get to them or they showed up late or whatever, but I try to like give you guys that time to hug your kids, to, yep. you know, say goodbye to your family. And then generally there's a minute for most guys that they're literally sitting behind their steering wheel. And other than the odd knuckles here and there, nobody's bothering them. 
What's yeah. going through your mind in that minute? Uh, I'm kind of running through my day. And a lot of times you'll see me, I'll be on the front deck. Uh, Cause I like to move. Like when I'm quote unquote meditating, very rarely am I sitting still. Uh, sometimes I even bounce around like I used to getting ready for my warm up, like for a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I, I'm always moving my feet. I'm moving my hands. I'm like, and that's me getting my body kind of in rhythm. I feel like with my mind and, and I'll, you know, I'll be like rolling out my shoulders and I, I'm, I'm doing physical things that my mind is telling it to do, but I'm not really thinking about those things. I'm thinking about the, the first cast that I'm going to make and, uh, you know, the decisions I'm going to make on the water. And a lot of times in that moment is when, like, when I call those audibles, like at Santee Cooper on day four, I had all the intentions when I launched my boat that I was going to run north and I was going to start where I'd started the last two days. And in that moment of me sitting there and like, kind of like blocking everything else out, something came to me and it was like, man, it's warm. It's still like, go back to where you were going to throw top water. And I had all these intentions of like going where I started day one of the event and throwing top water to try to get a big bite. And, and that I made that decision, right? I had to call Kyle over and be like, Hey, we're turning, we're turning left. We're not turning right. We're going to make a decision and change. And then when I got there, conditions weren't what I thought they were going to be. So then I had to call another audible. And, and, uh, it's, that's why I think it's important. And I just, I've done it for so long that it, it happens without me thinking like, Oh, I need to meditate. So it's more or less just a mental checklist that you have to go through. Have you ever sat there and the mental checklist is blank? <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah. a lot of anglers do. You know what I mean? They hit that. I mean, maybe they're not elite series anglers, but I feel like a lot of people listen to this. They, they, they'll be like, okay, it's time to mentally prepare. And they're. <laughs> yeah. It, but there's generally that happens because you're telling yourself you need to think about this but your mind is subconsciously over here. And so it's, it's stuck over here. And on the outside, you're, you're thinking over here and you're trying to get your mind to jump that fence and come over, but it's not, it's like hung up there. And it, and you, and I think you're just not able to, cause it, and that, that's part of it, right? Like being able to shut everything off, and focus on the moment doesn't mean that you're going to like have a a checklist of exactly what you're going to do. And that's exactly what you're going to go do. But it, for me, it's really just about blocking out the noise and being in the moment. Yeah. It's weird because when you say that I, I look at my own job, but I'm like, you know, I would never have thought that I mentally meditate going into things or whatever but when i look at your routine i mean the classic for me is very like i spend hours on that stage before there's anybody in the arena you know what i mean through sound checking everything you're visualizing it and 
And I'm not yeah. sitting there saying, oh, the champion will be right there. But to me, yeah. the more time I can spend up there, and it's weird because there's a certain point where I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable now. And then I don't spend yeah. any more time up there until I'm supposed to be up there. But it's almost like the more you walk around and the more you're familiar with that, I don't want to be thinking about anything else. I don't want to be thinking like, oh, that's where the edge is, or this is like, I want to yeah. be able to focus on the job. And yeah, it's um, the exact same thing. It really you're, is you're doing the exact same thing. You're not walking up there with a checklist of like, okay, I need to know where this edge is. It's 20 steps from the center of the stage. And you're just, you're putting yourself in that moment, visualizing yourself in that moment that's going to happen in the future so that when that happens, there's part of you subconsciously that can then live in that moment, right? You don't have to think about like, where the stairs are, where the edges, where the family section is. Cause you're already there like visualizing that, but it's not like you have a piece of paper. You're like, okay, family section is 119 to 124 and blah, blah. You know, you're, because you've done that homework ahead of time uh, without really realizing it, you're, you're putting yourself in that moment to be more adaptable to whatever happens. Yeah, it's probably what makes you so good at your job. No, no, I was going to go in another <laughs> direction and say it's probably just sounds a lot weirder if you said, "Oh, Mercer's up on the stage meditating before the classic." <laughs> it, it it just looks like I'm pacing around in panic. But um, yeah, it I think it's it's natural though, and I think it's I think no matter what you do for a living, like if you take it serious, that's part of it, you know. And if you really like, yeah. I bet you you go to. This is the sounds like a joke. A tournament MC, an angler of the year, and a surgeon walk into a bar. But if you talk to a surgeon, a surgeon wants their tools a certain way. They want mm -hmm. everything laid out a certain way. They they don't want to be guessing where something is. They you know, they don't like when you see big operations and you see a nurse wipe the brow of a surgeon while he's that isn't he's isn't being pampered. That person just yeah can't focus on anything else but connecting this tiny piece of a person to another tiny piece of their yeah. self to keep them alive so it's uh it just sounds more, more wacky when you're a tournament mc i guess <laughs> exactly people <laughs> people can understand why a surgeon would do that a lot more than why a tournament angler or a tournament mc would yeah. want to do that uh but it it just comes from a place of passion for us, right? Them, it's probably like out of somewhat passion, but also out of necessity. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the level of focus that you you want to get to. And that's also the level of focus that you have to have to compete at the highest level. And I bet you, if we had a surgeon and they told us the truth, they feel exactly like you felt when we talked earlier about almost never being satisfied. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like the, the surgery doesn't get, it's not just because the person lived and their heart. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But there was that moment when I tried to cauterize this little section, I could have done that a little cleaner. I wish I had, you know, I think that's natural to never yeah. be satisfied in a driven person. Would you not agree? Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I hope the surgeon thinks that about the surgery he performed on my arm when I was in high school. Cause he jacked the scars up big time. <laughs> he's like, man, there was that one kid that broke his arm in wrestling, but I could have stitched him up a lot cleaner than what I did. 
It worked. His arm still works, but could have stitched him up a lot better. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have a cool scar. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Um, has that caught you in trouble in life? You know, did that that my scar? Never, or... no, not your scar, but never being satisfied because. I know in life I've I've been pointed at by people and been like, why don't you just enjoy this rather than worrying about the next that? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say it's gotten me in trouble. Uh, it's gotten me judged, I guess. Uh, because, you know, some people may say like, why would you, why would you leave that? Or like, why would you change that? You have a great thing going. Um, but for me, just to be, I don't know, like I need to have some sort of growth and it doesn't have to be financial growth. It doesn't, you know, like all the things we talked about before, but I need to feel like there's, like I'm not just stagnant. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, it hasn't gotten me in trouble. Uh, and, and I feel like, at the end of the day, it's always better because you're constantly trying to move in the right direction. Um, but I, I know that it for sure it's it causes judgment. Yeah, um, and that's just because people may not have all the information. Uh, you know, they just they haven't walked in those shoes, and so it's it's easy to place judgment based on what they know without knowing all of the facts yeah and i guess trouble was probably the wrong word but but that's what i mean no. like the, the, if if you're not focused on this goal what you do what every elite series pro does seems stupid you mean you spend how much yeah. money and you travel how oh. far to catch a bass and you don't even eat it like to a lot of people but they aren't brandon Paulnick and they aren't they don't have the same goals that you do. Could you imagine like going to uh, like, say you had a meeting set up with a bunch of business investors, like venture capitalist guys. And you're like, you come in with this presentation and you sat down and you present them a, an elite series anglers business plan. And it's like, here's how much we're going to spend none of this is guaranteed we might make zero dollars we, we we might be in the hole a lot but just hear me out it's gonna be awesome i just i have to do this we just we gotta do this like you know i mean from from a business standpoint if you just looked at the numbers and you were and you thought about it logically you wouldn't try to make it to the elite series and I think that's why a lot of guys don't. But they're like, I have a great job. I make great money. I have a family. Like, why would I risk that to go, go chase this dream? And then there's the other people that are like, I, I have no choice. Do you feel you're one of those people who has no, you had no choice. This is what you had to do. Yeah. That's why when, you know, because we have a huge influx of high school, college anglers and stuff mm -hmm. wanting to get to that level. Like it's become more and more popular for 
more young guys who want to fish. I'm always asking, you know, like, what do I need to do to, to make it to that level? And the first thing I was telling them is, you have to decide if you physically and mentally can't live without it. Yeah. And most of them are going to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. But you really have to think about that. And like, because it's so hard and it's, there's, it's such a losing game that if you physically and mentally can't live without it, you just, you're not going to make it or you're not going to be able to push through that wall, that like really hard ceiling to break through to get there. Uh, and you'll, you'll always go back to that comfort. You know, I, I see it happen with guys all the time. They're like super gung ho. They want to chase it. They get out of school, they get out of college, they get a good job. It's paying well. And then, you know, they just, they just kind of fade off because now, now they have this comfortable life that they would have to give up to go chase this. Again, I think that's everything though. Like your need to do it, 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 like, I mean, stand-up comics, anybody becoming a stand-up comic, yeah. it's a stupid business venture. Like literally, yeah. it, comedians go club to club. The reason they live in New York and LA is because there's a lot of clubs because each club pays them like $15 to do a set. And you're just like, what? what? Yeah. Like it costs $15 Nashville. to order a drink. <laughs> yeah. Like I always think artists, like I've always, and maybe that's why I love music so much is I've always felt like artists and like seeing, you know, like just that whole scene of just playing everything you can and just not making money and living in just ghetto apartments and studios and just driving, you know, stuff that is not logical that if you wrote it down I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Everyone's going to say, you are an idiot. Like, why would you do that? But there's a, and that's just because some people aren't wired that way. And that's okay. We don't, Yeah. if everybody in this world was wired that way, we, it would be total chaos. Like nothing would ever get done. And so yeah. we, we need all kinds, but then there's that group of people that are, they're so passionate about something it physically and mentally can't live without it that they're willing to risk everything else to do it. And it's weird right up until the point that they make it, whatever making it is for everybody, everybody says, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then they get there and people are like, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. They don't, uh, yeah, they just, they didn't see everything before. When you think of a successful person, what goes through your mind? Like just success. Someone who is incredibly self-aware and comfortable with who they are and they're able to live within that. Um, and and live free of the judgment of of other people that's someone who is successful like have you read uh have you read green lights by no. matthew mcconaughey no shocker it's awesome it's awesome 
But what, why is it awesome? Let's let's and start so, Brandon's book club. Why is that a great so the, book to the read? The reason, like, I loved reading that book because it talks about in there how he had just kind of became like this rom-com guy and that wasn't who he wanted to be. And even though it was financially beneficial, he knew that he could do more. He wanted to do more like that. He didn't want to just retire as an actor that just only did rom-coms for the rest of his life. He felt like he needed to do more. And so he just went on a hiatus and it was like, no, like I'm not going to do those deals. And they'd be like, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are. So don't, don't hold me to this, but it was like, Hey, we'll pay you 7 million to do this, this movie. They're like, no, I don't want to do another rom-com. And everyone said he was stupid, right? Cause they're like, you're just throwing your career away, but he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And, uh, and they'd be like, we'll pay you 10 million. We'll, we'll pay you 14 million. You know, and he's like, thinks about it, <laughs> thinks about it, right? Cause he's like, well, that's a lot of freaking money. And, and at the end of the day, he's like, no, it's not, it's not who I am. It's not what I want to do. And, and then he talks about how, how that has then propelled him into being a better actor and, and being a better person overall than if he would have just stayed doing the same thing he was just to make money. So it goes back to our original conversation about like success and failure and who's judging it and where, because from the outside, him to ride the rom-com train for the rest of his life seems like the successful thing to do, but it didn't matter how much they were going to pay him. He wasn't going to feel successful. No, it just depends. Yeah. That's why like judging your growth on other people's expectations is not going to get you anywhere. And I think that's super important. That's why I say like a super successful person is I didn't bring up oh, someone that's got a million dollars in the bank account. Cause that's not actually going to allow you to be happy and feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Like someone that can be self-aware and do meaningful things and feel fulfilled um, whatever that is, like, I don't care how much money you make. Like, yeah, money is required to do a lot of things we want to do. But if, if you are super pumped to like clean up trash and you feel like you're making a, you know, a difference and you love to go home to your family, like that's what you enjoy doing. And you're aware, like self-aware to say like, this is the life that I want to live. And like, this make, this brings me joy and I'm happy with it. Freaking hats off to you. Like, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money that are way more distraught than people that make 40 grand a year. And, and they're perfect. Like they're as happy as they could be. And you see that a lot more when you travel to other countries. Like go to a third world country and, and see how how thankful they are for just simple everyday things. Yeah, and I, I think that's a North American thing too. Like when you travel to Europe, like it's just, you don't have to go to a third world country. You realize that we are very much 
live to work where in Europe, they're very much work to live. Like a lot of places in Europe, you start with five weeks holidays and there's no thought of opening on Sundays and just like things like that, that truly bring happiness to people's lives. So when you think of that successful person, who, who do you think of in your life? Um, I would think of hmm, my mom would be a good example. You know, like she's always well, it wasn't she never really went and did things to try to make a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, and so I think she led by example doing that that then allowed me to also be able to do that um you know even when she went to school she went to school to be an environmental scientist because she liked to be outside you know and then finds a job that allows her to hike around in the woods and work and like just be outside because that's what she loves to do um and so it's like when you can do that that's that's a, a huge key yeah. It's everything, really. I mean, you, you, and that's what I would say to all the young kids that are excited about the sport. Like, are you really excited about the sport? Are you excited about what you see? Like the glitz and the glamour, like everybody wants to be the dude holding the fish at the Bassmaster Classic with the confetti and uh, everybody sees that and like, yes, sign me up. I want to do that. But yeah, the one thing that stands out to me about successful anglers in our space I mean, the most excited I see you guys is is just to get out there and crack the code. Like the the glitz and yeah. the glamour is is cool, but that that's just such a short little part of, you know what I mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I really want to have this girlfriend or this wife, and and you just think of kissing. I mean, kissing's good, <laughs> but there's stuff that happens <laughs> at other times. I mean, you want to enjoy the whole process. Yeah. And- to speak on like that classic winning moment. I, and I've said this before, I talked about it like when I came back, if that moment is so crucial in our industry because I, and not just the classic specifically, that just happens to be the biggest one. But when a, when a guy wins, whether it's on the elite level, over the course of the season, the classic, that moment, is a focal point for people to say, I want that. Yeah. The difference is, is that like you were saying is, do you want that because you want the trophy? You want the fame? You want the money that comes with it? Or do you look at that and say, I want that because I I want that feeling, you know? And, and I know that there's plenty of kids that, meditate because they they look at that and they vision envision themselves being there like being on that classic stage winning um and if you if you visualize it that way and you want that emotion that feeling then that's the first step in the right direction i agree i agree you got a big AOI speech coming up. Have you thought about it at all? No, I didn't write. I didn't write anything down for my first one. I'm not going to write anything down for this one. Um, but I, 
like I can't say I haven't thought about it because I did think I'm like what am I going to talk about because the the first one I kind of just you know went out there talked like talked about my upbringing and like how a kid from Idaho shouldn't make it to win AOI and like beating those odds and it's like you can't just talk about your life again like everyone's already heard that story it's like what are you going to talk about uh and so i mean i've thought to that extent but i haven't came to a conclusion <laughs> one of the things that amazes me about you and i don't know if it's by design or if it's just i think one of the toughest things to do on the road is stay positive because no matter who you are, it's not always going to be AOY seasons. There's going to be ups and downs, like you said. But one of the amazing things about you is, dude, you are one of the most positive people I know, but you attract positivity. It's like you live in this little orb of everybody that you hang out with. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's hard to find somebody more positive than Chad Pipkins. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's Carl. the people... <laughs> and the people you hang out with get more positive. So is that by design or is that just positivity uh, breeds positivity? Yes. More of the latter. It's, it's not by design. It's not like I seek out and like that guy's positive. He's going to be in my circle, but I am definitely, I, I am definitely more attracted to in a weird way. I am, I gravitate more towards positive people because I don't want the weight of that negativity like in my life. Um, and like that old saying, you are who you surround yourself with as cliche as that sounds, that's very true. Uh, because we're, we're such social creatures that we, you like, everybody will do that. Right. And, um, you see it on the elites, like negativity can be just poison. Like someone starts talking about something negative and other guys jump on that bandwagon and it gets blown out of proportion into something that's really not as bad as it seems. Uh, and so I, I think perspective, like the right perspective breeds positivity and then that positivity is just as contagious as the negativity. And it, it just, like, you just have to choose which one you want. Do you want to choose to look at everything, like, for what it is and take the good out of it? Or do you want to just look at everything negatively and just be distraught about it? Not everything is going to be rainbows and butterflies all the time. So what do you say to somebody who says, well, that's easy for him to say. I mean, he's won two Anglo of the Year titles and his career is doing great. How do, I flip is the it script and I say, or have I won two AOI titles because of that outlook? You know, I mean, that's like, which, which perspective do you want? Can you say, yeah, that's easy for him to say everything's going right or is everything going right because I have a different perspective because I stay positive if positivity breeds positivity then positive things are going to happen in your life if you live with a positive outlook 
And that doesn't mean that you're just like happy-go-lucky, whatever, you know, like, yeah, I have terribly hard days. Like I wake up on the wrong side of the bed for no reason. And I don't understand why. But that, that doesn't mean that you just like take it out on everybody or, um, you know, like live on that. It's, you just overall, like I always look at things like, okay, yeah, that's like, that happened. It's terrible. It's not awesome. Can I pull any good from it? And, and if not, if the, like, if there's just not any good in that situation, then how do we make sure that situation doesn't happen again? You know, and it's, um, I, because I feel like it's such a choice, I feel like anybody can make that choice. We have the, especially here, we have that freedom of choice to do that. So just do it. So you actually wake up grumpy some mornings. Yeah. Yeah. And Tiffany generally will I'm like, be laughing okay, I need to go run. This. I need to go run. Like I just need to, I need to beat myself up a little bit. I need to sweat and, and then like clear that out. Which I think is proven. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm probably, you know, not the right guy to speak about this, but like, you know, you get movement is what fixes all of that. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. well, you might not, how our bodies are wired. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand all the science, but I know that like when you sweat and your body like releases endorphins and like, there's a lot of things that happen inside mentally in the way that we're built and wired, that that's a, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird because people deal with depression or whatever, and they want to, and it, I mean, I get it. It is a real thing. I'm not, I've dealt with it myself. Um, yeah, never, never, everybody does, I think, um, to a certain level. Um, but I also think that people need to have a checklist in their life. Like, okay. You know, like people go to a doctor and they give them a pill and they're like, yeah, this is helping me. But I mean, if you still keep eating bad, if you still keep not like it's, you know how to fix yourself. Yeah. As a, as a dude who battles all that, uh, I know how to fix it. You know, it's when you give up and you just stop moving. Yeah. That it gets a whole lot tougher, I guess. Yeah. Are you willing to put in the work or do you just want the shortcut? It's like that. I mean, and that's not in every scenario, but a lot of times that's that's the answer, right? I mean, it's like, do you want to take the hard way or do you want to take the easy way? And usually the hard way is a lot more rewarding. Yeah. Um Mike Tyson has a quote and I heard it the other day and it's awesome. I mean, and I never thought I'd get this from Mike what Tyson, it? but it was like, do the things you hate so you can enjoy the things you love. And it's, yeah. it, that's kind of what drove him. Like he's like, it, it, the hate almost made him better yeah. about it. not, and not hating a person. It was just like yeah. running for miles. I hate this, but yep. you'll didn't learn Ali, to love it. Didn't Ollie have a, one like that he might have he might have it was like like he hated every second of training you know but he he knew that it was necessary for to, to get where he wanted to be i i don't remember the exact quote but i think there's something like that like, 
Tim talking about hating. Do you have any quotes? Do you have any quotes that you live by? Mm, I don't have any that are just like that are like I just have constantly lived by forever. I'll see some and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, how do you put that into action? Like it's easy just to like throw a quote up. Yeah. <laughs> like, here you go. I mean, a, a lot of our tourniquets that we do are, you know, like some sort of short show, short quote and uh, like win or learn. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's a perspective thing. Um, and it's, you can throw it on a t-shirt and that's great. But if you don't actually live by that, then what good is it? I think it's the truth about all of this stuff. Like you need to, you need to, there's a reason that you're Brandon Polnick, dude. Like, and I know you always downplay it, but there's a reason that you've accomplished what you've accomplished in this sport is because you don't just read a quote and move on. You dissect it. And I find myself so often in our conversations being like, yes, Obi-Wan is wise, <laughs> wise he is. But I, I get, the older I get, the more, I, the more I want to share that because I, I think that's important. Why? That's that. Well, I think that is kind of my, like, that's my why. It's not a great book, by the way. Start with why. Start with why. Okay. Start with why by Simon Sinek. It's a great book. I, I almost uh, read that one. <laughs> almost read that one. It's a great book though. Um, why but, is that book so, so, so great or do you want to answer the first question first no we can do that and then it'll blend into the other I, I, understanding like why you do something kind of goes back to that perspective and like keeping things in perspective and i think it's especially important uh like from an angler perspective i think it's important in a lot of like competitive things and uh people competing at high levels and we'll just talk elite specifically is it it's such a grind that if you don't understand like what your why is like why you truly love to compete or like what it is like why you are so driven to compete at this high level it's way easier to have burnout and and when I read that book, it was a lot of the reason of why I show up to weigh-ins on day four. Because I understood that it, it wasn't the trophies and the money and, and like the tournament wins and any of that. My why is because I, I had a love for bass fishing and love the people that compete in that industry, right? The people that are, have the same passion that I do for that and supporting those people speaks to my why, right? Like supporting the other anglers, like watching them be successful speaks to my why and then creates like positivity, I guess. And, and it creates momentum or drive for me 
because I see it in person. Like, I know that feeling. Like, I want that feeling again. Like, I love seeing a guy get choked up on stage because I know how much it means to him. Like, I, I know that it wasn't, he had one really cool week and he's like bawling his eyes out up there. It's like, he fought for this for 10, 20, 30 years and it just culminated into you announcing his weight on stage. That's why I think that moment is so important, that winning moment. We have two guys on stage. And, uh, and so like having that why is, is important for those reasons. Like, Do you read books all the time? <laughs> I never studied and read books when I was in school. Like I was terrible about it. Uh, but I think it was because uh, they're like, hey, read this book. Here's the book you got to read. And it wasn't stuff that I was ever interested in. And the older I've got, like, sometimes I'll read books. I'm like, yeah, it was a good book. It was okay. But then there's sometimes I read books. I'm like, that actually changed my perspective. Or, or like there was some sort of level of growth there where I feel like now I can, I can look at the world from a different lens um like that's the kind of stuff i like to read like quote unquote self-help books like here's your seven step process to self-help most of that stuff's like rah 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 cheerleader stuff but doesn't actually change your perspective you know it'll motivate you for a little bit but it's no different than a quote right like you have to actually put that into action yeah yeah it, uh, I mean, from the outside, it looks like you're good at everything. What do you struggle with in life? Like, where, where is your weakness? Uh, discipline, a lot of times, is a tough one. Um, like, structure. Like, what, what do you mean discipline? You just... Like, creating structure. Be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, right? Like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and, like, being structured and... And then like just getting that done and they're like, ah, I gotta go do this. And then they, and kind of like a little ping pong ball. And I, I struggle with that. And that's one thing this off season working out was kind of part of that, like trying to be better at being more disciplined because even though I have phenomenal, you know, like sponsors and relationships, partnerships that I work with, there's room for improvement. Like we could do better at that. Our YouTube series, social media, like there's room for improvement in that because if I was more disciplined and structured, it would just flow way easier. So that's, that's something that I, I have only struggled with. So it sounds like you're not struggling with much because I mean, uh, I mean, I know you think you're not very disciplined in certain areas, but I'd say watching your business it's pretty disciplined i mean you never showing up late for takeoff or anything like that <laughs> yeah but i mean that's that's from the outside looking in right it doesn't mean that what you what you see there's not chaos be, behind the scenes and it's not like we're running around like crazy everyone's screaming like that kind of chaos but it but things could I always feel like things could be a lot better laid out. 
could have a, a more of a plan, uh, you know, looking out ahead and creating that plan. And, uh, you know, I've always tried to run the business side as a business. And I think that's just part of it. It's like, yeah, I can do a better job of that. Have you almost slept in for a tournament ever? I've had my alarm not go off. Really? What did that? That's it. Doesn't care who you are. That feels like that is the worst. Like I to wake up and be like, <laughs> yeah, like your alarm doesn't go off. Like, like oh, I accidentally I was sleepy when I went to bed. I'm like, oh, better set an alarm. And I accidentally clicked calculator and typed in six thirty into my calculator, not my alarm clock. And I know somebody's done that listening to this. If you have an iPhone, you're like, yeah, click, and then you just do it. I almost didn't wake up for my show. Uh, this last weekend, I was I was working uh, a boat show for Skeeter and Yamaha, and I was like, I woke up. I'm like, what time is it? Because there shouldn't be people at the elevator right now. My room was close to the elevator, and I heard some guy screaming, "Elevator's full!" And I look at the alarm clock, and it's like 6:30, and I'm like, my alarm was supposed to go off 15 minutes, like 15, 30 minutes ago. What just happened? Well, my phone died because I'm too cheap to buy a new phone and my charger port's going out of my phone and I just I just keep dealing with it. I'm like, you have to have it just at the right angle and it'll charge. But if you accidentally bump it in your sleep or something, it's not going to charge. Well, it didn't charge and it died. So my alarm clock didn't go off. And thankfully, whoever the guy is that was yelling elevator full woke me up in time. Thankful for that, dude. It, yeah. That... that it's hard to even recover from that. I was fine. Like if you, like I, I missed one takeoff and it was because, I mean, I, I don't know if I can take the blame, but it was when my back was really bad. And yeah. uh, James Overstreet gets like an off season surgery every year on some part of his body. So he had told me, Hey, if you, if you need some muscle relaxants or whatever, I can hook like, dude, I couldn't walk. So yeah. he gave me two pills, he gave me two, two pills. He said, Take this one at dinner. He said, but this one, you don't take this one till right till you go to bed. And yeah. I mean, I'm in pain. I'm going to be going to bed early in this evening. So I remember <laughs> I took the pill, laid in my bed. And I remember I texted him and I was like, how long does it take for these things to work? I remember setting down my phone and I literally remember the numbers. Like there, there was a digital, <laughs> digital, uh, alarm clock beside the bed in the hotel room and you know how you can see like the numbers changing like you yeah. see it when it goes to eight from a seven or whatever and i remember seeing it all change and and the next but thing i knew so i woke up and it was bright out and if you're yeah. a tournament mc when it's bright out that means the anglers are gone um <laughs> but it like you never ever recover like all day long you're like literally just like yeah. the best thing to do is just stop for a second and be like, it's going to be okay. But it happens to everybody. I mean, mine was yeah. just, I didn't, nobody in the elevator yelled. Nobody woke me up. <laughs> I had to call trip and they might um, not have woke you up. <laughs> you were that no. out. Oh, I don't I was, think you were waking up. I did not have any pain that evening. Cause I'm tell sure you. someone tried calling you. Oh yeah, no, there was all sorts of missed calls and stuff like that. I yeah. didn't hear any of them. And like, you want to talk about like, so, so I had to call trip, which is, I mean, calling trip when you're late sucks. Um, Did you, med it, you meditated before you made that 
Oh, sure. I, dude, I actually you, drove. You played that conversation out in your head before you hit the green phone. No, no. <laughs> it did not anything. But it, but I literally was about to call. Like, I got in my vehicle. I'm brushing my teeth. And I'm like, I forget where takeoff was. But I pull in. And it, you, it was like in a state park or something. I'm flying past all these campers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I hear Trip doing takeoff. And it's all the way on the other side. Of the bay and he's like an angler 50 and i'm like well I, i'm not gonna interrupt his flow right now so yeah. i just uh waited till afterwards and went and told him and he was great he was great um so we all sleep in at some point but um that was mine that's awesome that was mine it yeah. uh i'm surprised it doesn't have more i mean um there's been guys like one of the most legendary things that never gets talked about Aaron with KVD. Oh, Aaron well, Aaron all the time. Yeah. Well, Aaron was never there on time. And yeah, he did miss it um, a few times. <laughs> but Aaron was Aaron. I mean, he still he, smashed everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kevin, I think it was the Arkansas River. He blew out two tires in his trailer. And he literally, it was like a legendary cave. Oh, it was when you first started. Denny Brower won was. that tournament. I remember it to a T. He oh. rolled up underneath the bridge and tires just. <laughs> we were in that like little ghetto place right under the bridge. <laughs> and I remember just sparks flying and everything. And he was just like, screw it, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't care if it blows the whole side of my fender off. He just rolled in on rims. You know your KVD when you could roll in with the sparks flying in, it still looks cool. You're everyone's yeah. still like, wow. <laughs> uh, it, I'm I surprised. love when that stuff happens. Not when yeah. it happens to me, but I love seeing it happen. But you remember <laughs> last time we were at the Sabine and all the guys got the catalytic converters cut out of their trucks at the hotel? Oh my gosh. Yes. I was right behind John Cox, who was like, I hate that it happened to him, but there's nobody better for it to happen to because of he takes things in stride so oh. well. And I, I didn't I thought he had just put a new muffler on his tundra. And I was like, that thing is obnoxiously loud. Like, that sounds terrible. And then I found out that a bunch of guys got hit with that but he is laughing it off yeah that was the funniest thing yeah he he told me i remember that morning he's like dude it sounds like a nascar <laughs> it was terrible how is cox to compete against because because that's like a prime example of the amazing thing about him that nobody talks about everyone's like oh he doesn't use a graph here he doesn't no the amazing thing is that dude is again one of the most positive laid-back yeah. people on the entire planet and it and he is also very very successful but i would i'd be curious where like if you could really dive into it like where that comes from and and if you look at it from like a thirty thousand foot view i think he just has really good self-awareness he knows what is important to him like his priorities you know he loves his family um and and i think because he has that self-awareness he's able to focus on the things that are important to him and he doesn't worry about the things that aren't you know and like he knows that he loves to fish shallow 
So he doesn't get caught up in saying, I can't compete with everyone uh, uh, because they've got all this other technology and things. He's like, I don't like doing that. I'm going to go find the fish that I think I can compete with and I'm going to enjoy it. And he just focuses on that. And he's super positive. And that's the kind of stuff that I look at and I, I love competing against him. One, because he's incredibly talented. So you, you know that you can't slip. Uh, but then it's also inspiring to see that. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he's the only person that's ever idled away from takeoff that I've ever seen. Like literally idled to his spot. Like um, <laughs> where were we last year? Um, <laughs> Santee Cooper Lake. So we're we're there, and he's in the top ten. And like he wasn't the first. Like he wasn't the last boat in the top ten. He was yeah. like fifth or whatever. So everybody you know goes past, and then as soon as you can go, you go. Like yeah, I mean you're in a competition. And he literally just idled the whole way across. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, afterwards, I'm like, why, why did you? He's like, well, I mean, no need to get in a rush. I knew nobody was going there. And I'm just like, it's just amazing yeah. to me. I, I mean, I think it's all because he's had other jobs and he's had jobs that sucked and he just realizes, but, but, but that, that you're right. That wears off. I mean, I think it, it goes back to that. He loves every moment of his life you know what i mean he loves to compete yeah. he's a mess in other ways like he'll roll into town and not have anywhere to stay oh, um 100 but that but he doesn't let that create anxiety right he's like yeah this is just what i do and like if i stay in some dirt trashy place because that's all that's available that's what it is it, it, I, it, I think that's awesome right and that i think he is successful because he has that mindset like you're talking about blast off he's able to get himself in a place where he's okay idling across the bay to start where he wants to fish and then guess what he's not rushed yeah he, he's already slowed that clock down to where he doesn't feel like he's fighting that clock and so then every cast is essentially better When's the last time you felt like you were fighting the clock? Like, do you almost, feel that generally? Almost every single tournament. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's because I always am the last guy to check in. Like, I'm always pushing it to the last second. And But I have the mindset of like, I'm never satisfied with that day. And so I'm just like, constantly pushing it's like oh you have 27 pounds like why would you push it to the last second it's like one i believe in my equipment and two like i might be able to catch 28 pounds or I, I may get a clue like i may come around the corner and there's an eight pounder on a bed that i catch tomorrow uh you know like there's there's just so many situations where feel like that can happen and i just i push it to the to the envelope i think that's the competitor in you though too that, like you know it's yeah but I, I know that that's how that's just how i'm wired like i have to like even even when i know that i have to just slow down and i need to be thorough and everything 
I'm able to do that better now than I used to be able to do, but there's always still part of me that's like, come on, let's go, make it happen. Ever-evolving, dude. It, it, that's what goes through my mind when I talk to you. It's, it's weird. Like I, the, I mean, we've talked plenty about the first time we ever met or whatever, but like I watch you and I'm like, that dude is just ever-evolving. Like you, you, you oh, are a, such a different person than the first time. And, yeah. and I know you take that for granted and you think that that's something that, oh, you know, we all should. Yes, we all should. But I know a lot of people who are the exact same dude. <laughs> That I'm, and that does that. I'm not judging anyone, but there's people that don't change that just stay the same. Was that something with you always? Like in wrestling, were you always trying to push yourself like that? Like to always continuously evolve and get better, or is that something that's changed as you've gotten older? Mm, I think I just have always had a fighter's mindset because I had to. Um, like I. I grew up in a I grew up in a great situation that didn't have a lot. Like I, we didn't have a lot of the material things. But it wasn't I was very fortunate in the fact that like I didn't grow up in an abusive family. Like I like my mom wasn't strung out on drugs. Like we just didn't have a lot. But she did like she loved us and did what she could like my dad wasn't around all the time he's around way more now than he was when I was younger um but I, I also had a lot of like positive influences from my best friend's families and uh like the guy that got me started tournament fishing like I I had those positive influences but I always felt like I think because I didn't have a lot that I always had to like have kind of that fighter instinct like hungry dogs a mean dog kind of thing so but are you being driven by wanting a lot or wanting to show the world that you deserve a lot uh i think it has changed um there's always part of me that loves to prove people wrong and I think it used to be worse, like almost a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Like, oh, you said I couldn't do this. Like, okay, I'm going to go do it. Um, like I, I have part of that. It's like, I just, like, I just want to prove people wrong. But, but the older I've gotten, the more I've matured out of that. Like, there's, there's still part of that there. But I, I think I understand more now that I just, I love, like, I love the feeling of winning. It's like, I just want to do it because I, I want that feeling again. Like, I love, like, feeling all of that pressure and then, and you know, passing that or, like, breaking through that ceiling uh, is, like, I enjoy that more so than just, like, proving people wrong, I guess, now. But the winning isn't what you're winning. Like it's, what I'm trying to say is like, it's not, I love to win this much. It's, it's, you want to, you want to be the best at it. You want to prove that you are the best at it, but it's yeah, not, my, a, it, it's not a monetized. Like if you want a million dollars, it wouldn't be, you know, it, that'd be nice, but it, it wouldn't be that you won more. No, there's not an end goal. No. You know, 
It's like being a junkie. It is a lot like that. <laughs> I, I'm, and and it's no different. And then, you know, it's like it's that way in winning because it's not like a, a hardware or a, a financial goal. It, the goal is to feel that again. Yeah. And the only way you can feel that again is to win again. And it's like when you make a cast, like you're addicted to that bite. And the only way to get that again is to get another bite. And so it was like, yeah, how do I get that feeling again? Like, what, what decision do I have to make? Like, where do I have to go to get that feeling again? Because that was awesome. I think the word addiction it, it has been spoiled in our lives. Like, because people use the word addiction and, and we always think of bad things. We always think yeah. of, of drugs, of alcohol, of insert any word there, all negative influences. But almost every successful person I know on earth is addicted to something. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. different. Like if you take that addictive personality and you put it in a different realm, it might make me make you the most successful person, you know, yeah. just simply it, because yeah. you're putting towards something positive. It just depends on what the context of that addiction is. Yeah. So like what is the thing you're addicted to is then going to determine whether you had a, a, a positive, or a negative scenario. Have you ever had a day where you thought, like early in your career, where you thought, uh, they were right. I can't do this. Mm -mm. Never. No. You know how charmed that makes you? Like, literally, no. you'd go, every but angler. I, I don't know, because I, I don't think that... I don't think I ever let that thought creep into my head because there wow. wasn't in my mind, there wasn't any other choice. So I say you physically, mentally can't live without it. Like there, there was not any other choice. And it, it was that way from the time that I was eight years old. Like when I found out that Bassmaster was a thing and that, you could make a living fishing tournaments. That was all I wanted to do. And I was so addicted or obsessed with it, or it became so much a part of me that it drove every decision and influence in my life. And it was like, even at that young of age, it was like, there, so I think because I spent so much time thinking about it and so focused on that one goal that that I, like that doubt never creeped into my mind. And, and I think because it started so young that I had just materialized it into this thing that was going to happen. And, and then being older now and looking back at it, I'm like, okay, well, was that then because you had so much confidence because I'd put in so much effort into it, had sacrificed so many things into it. Um, you know, I mean, like, even when I was younger, when I started out wrestling, I was wrestling 10 months out of the year, right? We traveled in Nevada and all over kind of the West, Western U.S. 
And the older I got, well, a lot of those national tournaments were in the spring. I was like, well, I can't fish tournaments that weekend if I'm at a wrestling tournament. So I just, I slowly wrestled less and less and I fished more and more to the point where when I was in high school, I, I only wrestled like the school season and I fished the rest of the year when I could. And when I went to college, I turned down wrestling scholarships because I knew that's not what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to fish for a living and that was going to take away from time that I was going to be able to spend on the water or focusing on fishing. I went to school for a marketing degree to try to learn like marketing because I thought that was the most beneficial thing if I wanted to fish for a living. And then when I came to a crossroads of, well, you can keep going to school or you can go to this fishing tournament that may advance your fishing career. I left school and, and went to the tournament. Like, you know, so every decision was made like to advance to that. Um, and I, so I guess I just never, because I never felt like there was another option. I never doubted that this wasn't meant to be. It's weird because there's a bunch of people in this industry that I think they, they felt the exact same. They just didn't, you know, maybe don't verbalize it as much, but there's a lot of people who came here without a plan B, you know what I mean? This is this. And I think that that's one of yeah. the smartest things you can do going into something that's tough to accomplish. You know what I mean? Like you just, there's no yeah. option, but to accomplish it. If you had to give advice to an eight-year-old you, somebody coming into this sport, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Hmm. Probably the, uh, like, yes, it's possible. Um, yes, you can be yourself and like, yeah, it's okay to not do what everyone else says you should do. Like it's okay to live outside the norm. Um, like that's, that's how we're going to try to raise our daughter. I was like, I don't, I don't care what she wants to do as long as it's something positive. I'm not going to let her just turn into a total dirtbag. But great goal. It, if she wants to do something like I will do whatever I can to help her, you know, like on that, on a positive trajectory, but she's going to have to earn it. So I'm be like, here you go. Like, here's a handout, go do it. Like, no, if you want to do that, like, what do you, what are you going to do to make it happen? You need a thousand dollars to go do that. Like, what are you gonna do to earn that thousand dollars? And uh, and I just so I would kind of say that same thing. Like, like believe if you have something that you want to do, believe in yourself enough to say yes and no to the hard things, and and make it happen. That's great advice great advice it uh 
What is the best advice you've ever been given? It doesn't have to be tournament fishing. Just um, oh man, um, um, probably when I was younger, like just the understanding of knowing that your your mind will quit before your body uh, and understanding like how how powerful the mind is in that aspect and a lot of that came from wrestling and it I don't have a direct quote or like, yeah. something where someone sat down and I was like wow that's the best piece of advice I ever got but I think through a lot of that coaching and stuff of, of understanding like how powerful your mind was and and what you're capable of has then transitioned into fishing. Um, and I, yeah, that, that'd have to be probably the best advice. Um, I remember one of the, I, I think my favorite piece of advice are the ones that are super simple. Like when, almost to the point where when you say them, you're like okay thanks captain obvious duh um like the guy that got me started tournament fishing says they're gonna be where you find them okay yeah obviously but the older i've got the more i am able to kind of understand that and and not force things into happening but don't be afraid to change and and be open-minded and, and go do that. Like, yeah, you, like they should be here, but obviously they're not. So go find them. Like that's where they're at. They're going to be where you find them. Um, and I remember the very first time I went to Skeeter, right? like, I, I didn't know anything. I was a 23-year-old kid that slept in the back of my, I drove all the way from Idaho in my first Tundra like a 08 Tundra, drove all the way down to Texas. I'd never done that before. I slept at the truck stop so that, because I got down there the night before, I was supposed to meet with the whole Skeeter team, slept in the back of my truck, was going to take a shower at the truck stop. Well, the showers were broken. So I just like threw some water on my face to try to clean up a little bit. And uh, thankfully I couldn't grow facial hair then. So I didn't have to worry about shaving. And, and I remember walking into the office and sitting down. And at that time, I, uh, Ben Jarrett was my boss. And he sat me down and uh, I remember sitting in his office and he was like, don't get caught up in all the rest of the stuff. He said, catch five every single day and the rest will take care of itself. I've not done a very good job of catching five every single day. <laughs> I'm not the most consistent at that, uh, but I have never forgot that uh, because I understand what he meant. And I've passed that on to like, a lot of rookies, you know, and they're like, man, I just, I don't know what to do. and. They, and there's so much truth in that. I was like, 
just catch five. That's like putting the cart in front of the horse. It's like yeah. you, you have to catch them to be relevant, to be credible. And then the sponsorships and the impressions and all of that, all the fan base, all that will follow suit. Start by catching them every day. Every problem in pro fishing gets fixed by catching more fish. It's, it's true. It, and it really is true. It, it's, um, pe- but people try to, you know, there's so much other parts involved where people get pulled in, in all, all different ways. And, yeah. you know, it, it just keep focused on fishing, just keep focused on that. And, you know, be, there'll be times where people will be like, well, you should be focused more on your relatives' birthdays and stuff like that. that that's going to happen to you. I'm the worst at that. Oh, I cannot remember birthdays. Well, you're, you got to remember, but I bet you if you said the third fish you caught on day two at whatever, you know exactly where you caught it. 100%. Your brain can only hold so many little nuggets. I'm certain of that. <laughs> like a lot of the crap that I remember and can't remember things like birthdays, but thank God there's inventions called iPhones, which you need a new one. Calendar alerts. <laughs> it, uh, no, thank you, dude. Thanks for doing this. Um, and and I honestly wanted to start the year off with a bunch of positive people. Yeah. And and Swindle, his show last week was incredible. I mean, how do you back up Swindle? Well, might as well bring in Brandon Paul next. Some of the most positive people I know because the concerning thing to me that I keep seeing over and over again is, especially in this medium, especially in podcasts, Everybody thinks you need to be negative to get a crowd. Like you need to hate something. It's not about hate. It's not about negativity. Every person that I know in my life that's truly successful is like you guys. Positive. Yeah. Might as well be. It's way more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Way more enjoyable. Do you think, like when I was listening to that podcast with Gerald, do you feel like he's mentally in the best place he's ever been in his career 100 percent, 100 percent. like i agree when he was talking like when we were there was times where i was just like man i i knew a swindle 20 years ago that didn't think this <laughs> and yeah and, and that's and maybe you did but but it's just i think and i think it's aging too like i think as you age you get a little bit more real you know what I mean? Like a, you, you accept what you really should do in life or what you really yeah. feel um, in life. And yeah, no, I mean, I said that at the end of the podcast, I said, I think he is more like the whole anomaly of him never winning an elite. Like it, he doesn't need to win an elite to make his career. I mean, he's a hall of famer. He's what he's accomplished is amazing. No, it but I feel like he's closer success. to winning one today than he was at other times because he's hundred percent he's positive and happy within himself. Why do you think that that's happening with him? Um, I think it, it like part of its age and that's not to say that he's old cause he's really not old at all. Um, but I, I think that like he just has a, different perspective and i think a lot of that comes from 
like in a, an appreciation after like going through more right and i think that comes with that age part it's not that your physical age is is older right or a higher number but with that age comes more experience you've you've went through all of these ups and downs and through that like every time you make that upswing uh from a low point in your life you come out better on the other side of that and it brings a new perspective and like a new appreciation for those things that bring you up and then you're able to adjust your life right and in the things that really matter and that's how i felt when i was watching it he's setting himself up to win one without even knowing it yeah like the whole time i was listening to it i'm like his success as an angler is not defined based on whether or not he wins in a league I think it's absolutely ridiculously incredible that he's won two AOIs and never won one. He's won two and a half million dollars and never won one. Like it's insane. It's insane. And so I, and I don't know why that hasn't happened, but the whole time I was watching, I was like, it's going to just happen. Yeah. Like, when everyone least expect it, when he least expects it, I feel like it's just going to happen. He did a podcast a few weeks ago with Michael Waddell, and I listened to that too. And um, he said something on that that I was like, wow, you never stop to think about it because we're in such a goal-orientated industry. But he said to Michael Waddell, and he said that, you know, him and Lulu have talked about it a lot. And do you ever think that, that this is just setting you up for where you're going to be next. You know what I mean? Like all the notoriety, like, and the more I thought about it, it yeah, that totally makes sense with Swindle. Like, yeah, sure. He's the positive mental attitude guy and where he's at, but that's means so much more when you know, you've been punched in the mouth a bunch of times, yeah. you know, it's easy to stand there with the belt and be like, I'm the champ, be positive, but to, so yeah, no, I, I think, G is, is, it's coming. And dude, I, I don't know that there'd be a bigger victory for the industry than Gerald Swindle. When Gerald Swindle wins, like, and I don't just mean the celebration and all the jokes and whatever. I just mean that, like, there's not a soul on earth that doesn't want to see that dude win a tournament. You know, oh, yeah. I feel sorry for whoever gets second to him that day because it's yeah but like who better to finish second to i hope you're right if i could write up a perfect storm i would be the guy sitting in the hot seat when he walked up on stage and he was the last guy to weigh in like i want him leading going into day four i have an incredible day four and i'm standing there and he beats me because I would get to sh- selfishly share that small s- moment of time with him. Yeah. And like, and nobody else would be able to say they did that. So selfishly, if I could write it up, that's what I'd like to do. I actually almost get choked up thinking about it. Like that'd be so freaking cool. Uh, it, 
it would be incredible. Um, it it uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But if if we don't stop talking on this podcast, it'll never happen because well, How at least we we'll won't be there. We'll be I don't know. But we talked for a long time. Like, yeah. dude, this podcast is now two hours. Yeah, it's got to be in contention with what's that new movie that came out? I never saw the first one, the aquatic movie. What's the movie where they're it's super long, though? Steven Spielberg or whatever. What people let us know in the comments. Yeah. It'll if help you've me made out. it this far, you're an incredible human. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Hi, thank you. Brandon, thanks you. And uh, dude, honestly, I thank you for being the person that you are. You're a big motivator in my life and a lot of people's lives. And uh, and you simply do it. You lead by the example. So uh, so thanks for being the person that you are. Yeah. You're welcome. Here's to a better 2023, huh? For all of yeah, us. Happy New Year. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> That was an amazing conversation with uh, an even more amazing human being. I mean, um, never mind the fishing stuff, and he's pretty freaking good at that too. But Brandon Paulnick's mind is what really intrigues me, and it's, it's been that way since the first time I met him. You know, I walked away from meeting him and being like, "This little kid doesn't act like a little kid, and never has." And um, it's awesome to see what he's accomplished in this sport. And I can't thank him enough for being so open, so honest. Can't thank you guys enough for hanging with us. I mean, the movie I was thinking of is actually Avatar. My memory works good, just not all the time. And uh, you could have watched Avatar or watched this podcast. I believe this podcast was more motivational. And we didn't charge you near as much for your popcorn. So I thank you. I thank you guys for tuning in to this podcast. I thank my friends slash angler buddies that come on this podcast and their honesty and their openness. And that's all that we can guarantee you here because clearly we can't make them shorter because that was my goal. And the weirdest thing is me and Paul Nick talked for 45 minutes before the podcast even started. So um, it may take you a while to get there. You may have to break it up into little chunks, but I promise you this podcast will give you some nuggets and there's a lot of them in there. And um, speaking of nuggets, I need to use the restroom. So um, take it away, Bob Cup. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?